Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. TCL is a proud sponsor of the 1500 ESPN Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. Minnesota Vikings, the NFL, football, yeah, football. Welcome to Purple Podcast. Welcome to the post-Minnesota Vikings, New York Jets, Purple Podcast. And let me just start out, Judd Zolgad, by saying this. It wasn't pretty. It didn't need to be. It was windy there. It was ugly. It was hideous. It was not fun to watch. But the Minnesota Vikings came away with the back-to-back wins that they needed against not good teams. They did not have a repeat performance of the Buffalo game. And really, in this game against the Jets, never opened the door for the Jets to make a comeback. The Vikings have have faced two teams in in the past two weeks, and I'll be delicate with how I say this, that haven't had a great will to win, but if you're the Vikings, you at least need to remove their will to win, and in both cases, early in the third quarter, they've done that. They They were tied because of the Cousins fumble late in the second half against the Cardinals, they then came down and kicked a field goal, took a three-point lead. And Arizona, you could see starting the third quarter, was like, do we really w- want to be in this game? And the Vikings quickly answered that question for them. And the answer was no, and the Vikings didn't look great in that game, but they won. I sensed the same thing today. There were times where the Jets hung around. There were times where both teams looked putrid. And, and the second half started, Collar, and you said to yourself, yeah, you know what? The Vikings are going to pull away, and they did. And this sets up, to me, two things. One is we're in a four-game stretch before the bye, which goes Cardinals, Jets, Saints, and Detroit. And if you win three of those four, you're in great shape. It also now sets up a real test before the bye, which is the Saints a week from Sunday, Sunday night, national NBC game. And that's going to answer some questions about where the Vikings are as a team, both offensively and defensively. But as far as things go, I do think we're now at a point where as brutal as that was to watch, the Buffalo loss has been put away. Yep. And this team, which opened with four or five games being very tough, has put itself in a very respectable position where you don't have to keep going back and saying they lost to Buffalo and then Philly or the Cardinals or the Jets. So they put themselves now in pretty good position, which coming out of that, that Buffalo and Rams loss, 
I think you had serious questions about where this team stood at that time. And coming out of the Rams loss, it was very reasonable to wonder whether this defense was even going to be good this year. Not just were they going to be elite or were they going to be number one again, but even if they were going to have a decent season. And I think what they've proven over the last three weeks, because you could go back to Philly where the defense made big plays, is that this defense has the capability of winning games by itself still. And I think they've done that the last two weeks. You got big plays by Latavius Murray, but overall subpar quarterback performances over the last two weeks from Kirk Cousins against teams that you thought that he probably should have done better against. Mm -hmm. And yet it didn't matter. You still win by 10 one week and 20 another week because they picked off Sam Darnold three times. They sacked him three times. Darnold went 17 for 42 with 206 yards against this defense. And, and some brutal drops, too. And, oh, he got no His help His receivers whatsoever. were awful at times. Isaiah Crowell ran for 29 yards. Yep. Bilal Powell gained 21. I mean, they shut down the run first, which I thought was going to be the key here because with Linval Joseph out for this game, if they were able to run, then they could control the ball in – the wind, they wouldn't be forced to throw it, and no, that didn't happen at all. They were not able to run the football against the Vikings. That was big, and, and that's where the Vikings defense has been recently, is you can't get the run game going against them. If you're behind it all, you're forced to pass all the time, and then when you get to third downs, Mike Zimmer is just a genius. When it comes to dialing up third downs, he can mess up the best quarterbacks in the league, but he is especially going to play mind games with the Josh Rosens and Sam Darnolds, the young kids coming into the league, and he did it again today. I mean, how long did this game go before anyone even got a third down, but especially... Third quarter. The, yeah, the, the Vikings got the first one. The, the New York Jets had no chance once they got to third down. Two of 13. That's, yeah. That's Two it. of 13. So going back to last week, Two of the last 23 third downs against this Vikings defense. Yes. That says to me that they're back to 2017 form in a lot of ways. But here's the thing that comes out of this game, Judd, and we'll see what happens throughout this week is just injuries. Hughes is out for the season. Joseph is dinged up. Barr leaves with a hamstring. An ankle injury seemingly for Xavier Rhodes. I mean, this team is now being forced to use its depth and today it was really good mm -hmm. but the question is against new orleans and detroit two great quarterbacks are they going to be able to take advantage if some of these players are out yeah and this is the thing that going back to training camp we discussed a bunch of times which was the one thing as good as the vikings defense was a year ago the one thing that we continually brought up was guys didn't get hurt which doesn't happen right so in training camp our discussion was guys are going to get hurt the question is how, how many guys are going to be out for a time period. And this Saints game could be a problem with that. But, yes, I would – it's interesting, too. I'm very curious now to see Cousins next week because to go back to what you said about the quarterback play, the thing with Cousins that has struck me these past two weeks are tip passes. I think he's at – I think he was officially at five against the Cardinals, and I believe today it's three or four. That's a lot. And and you can't help but think to yourself, if you're in a big game environment and you get a tip pass, it could be picked too. So I would say this. Kirk Cousins has done a lot of good things. Kirk Cousins has a really good arm. Kirk Cousins has, has the ability to make good plays. But the scouting report on Kirk Cousins is pretty much dead on. And there are times that he makes plays. He did it again today, a backwards pass. Why? Why are you throwing? What good... If you sit down and say, okay, but it's a creative play, but what good is possibly going to come 
from that pass, I would say 95% is bad. So the thing with Cousins is I keep going back to what I told you on the podcast after the Cardinals game, which is as good as, as he can be. And I firmly believe that he's an upgrade on from what this team started at quarterback for the majority of the 2017 season. As good as Kirk Cousins can be at times, Kirk Cousins still makes the type of plays that you say there but for the grace of God in January are going to be a big problem. Those plays, I don't know if they can be collar, but in my mind, those are the type of plays that have to be cleaned up here. I was really surprised that a vent line caller got upset about this criticism of Kirk Cousins because it's just been so apparent since he's been here and really throughout his career, but now watching every game up close like this, you see it. You see some of the reasons that Washington didn't win as much as maybe they had expected to while he was their starting quarterback because when mistakes like that get made, the the backward lateral pass for a fumble – Having it happen once in a season is weird. Having it happen twice in a season, especially since he seemed to just throw the ball down on the ground like without thinking, is that Cousins seems to have some of these brain farts, if you will, or just like malfunctions. It happens in two-minute drills sometimes. It happens with someone in his face sometimes. They're panicky, right? Yeah, they are. Like where he just either isn't dialed in or he just panics and flings the ball in a place he shouldn't. He did it again in the end zone and got away with it in this game. And because the Vikings defense was so good, it just nothing mattered. Nothing stuck to him today. And because the ground ball backwards was fielded by Stephon Diggs and not a cornerback that ran it back for a touchdown. He kind of got away with it. But for a guy who talks about the process all the time and things like that, well, the process has not really been good when it comes to the risky plays that he's been involved with. He's got a brain coach. Got to have the brain coach. But the, re- but the reason why, the reason why you, you have the brain coach, right, is to slow things down and so that, that you are doing – a good job of processing things as much as possible. The re the biggest overriding reason why case Keenum is gone. I think is Mike Zimmer watched this guy play all of last year, basically, and came to the conclusion of he's had a phenomenal and fun year and it's been great, but he is making plays that aren't sustainable and eventually are going to turn into key mistakes. And in Philadelphia, he was proven right. So that being the case, Cousins is here because he's a better quarterback, but also because he should have a better football brain. He, he on number one is a better quarterback, but right now, yeah, I don't know about that. And that's where, and and that's where if this defense is going to carry this team ultimately to where they want to go, the one thing that you can't have, and Zim knew this is mistakes from the quarterback position and throwing the ball backwards or not protecting it at times are mistakes that, that you can have against the Jets or Cardinals in October, but if you get to January and repeat those mistakes, they're going to end up costing you. I mean, if you look over so far the games by Cousins, he's had several Case Keenum-style games. Against San Francisco, a dropped interception, and the defense had to win that game with three picks. And then last week, I would say the same thing for Arizona, where the running game and the defense carried them. And here again today against the Jets, that's how they had to win games. And I don't think that's what they were really looking for is having to win Case Keenum style games and hope that whatever mistakes he made are covered up by great defensive performances. So when they face the New Orleans Saints next week, 
this can't happen. It, it can't be the situation. And maybe being at home will help there. I don't know. But it can't be that there's someone in his face and he just wings the ball up for grabs. It can't be that he throws a lateral backwards or that. Well, just you know, take he, that play out. Why, why is that play even there? Yeah, I don't know. Like, why is that an option? Or even that when he was pressured back toward his own end zone, he started running back toward the end zone and nearly took a safety early in that game. These are the things that against a good team could swing that game, and it very much feels like 2017 these last couple of weeks. Now, to your point about Cousins, he is a better quarterback. The ceiling on Cousins is much higher, and the game we saw against the Rams, although it included a late-game mistake fumble, the game we saw against the Rams really showed you that this is a guy with supreme arm talent who can operate an incredibly successful and dangerous offense at times. But this is this is Kirk Cousins. I mean, this is who he is. Somebody was joking about the the Kirk Cousins checklist where he makes an amazing throw, but then he fumbles. And, you know, I mean, this is kind of who you have. And this roller coaster ride of Cousins, now you can really see. I think we've gotten a big enough sample to see this is what Washington was looking at, and this is the sort of roller coaster that they dealt with for three years with Kirk Cousins of watching a 400-yard game where he slings it all over and looks untouchable and other games where he looks like a Case Keenum where he's throwing for five yards an attempt like he was today and making mistakes. And that's what makes it tough to predict that people who are really all in on cousins. If he has a great game against new Orleans, will say, look, see, he's the best quarterback. And that's why. Right. And then the next week you're going to get something different. And when it goes down the stretch, Judd, and this reminds me a lot of Andy Dalton with the way that his career has gone. When it goes down the stretch, oftentimes Dalton in the playoffs, that's when one of his bad games would click. And then that would be it. But you never really know because you know who else is like this? Eli Manning for most of his career. Great games at times, great throws at times, and then sometimes just what's going on here. Yep, five-pick games. And he's got two Super Bowl MVPs because the right Eli clicked at the right time. That's the the key thing. And the defense was fantastic. That's the key thing. To me, the key here is it's not that Cousins can't make make mistakes because he's going to, and most quarterbacks do. The question to me becomes, especially in important games, Matthew, what are the mistakes? Is it not protecting the ball? Because if you throw a couple picks, yeah, that, that's a pain in the ass, and I get that, but it happens. But you're throwing the ball backwards. You're panicking at the end of a half where there's a clear scoring opportunity. It's things like that. And, and that's why I said there are some things that Cousins is going to do that, that are going to be very hard midstream right now in his career to clean up. But just as far as as the things that you can clean up, you have to, which is protect the football Make smart decisions. Don't make panicked, rushed, dumb plays. Don't don't you know have twelve seconds left on the clock and not spike it. So, and I don't know. I don't know if those things can be fixed. But if I'm the Vikings, I'm trying like hell because at least if you can take those problems out of the equation, you give yourself a far better chance to win games like they're going to play against the Saints on Sunday night. So a couple of things that are working his way, and we'll wait and see on Adam Thielen if his injury at all was serious at the end when Jamal Adams hit him, but another tremendous game from Adam Thielen, over 100 yards for the seventh straight time that ties the record for you know games in a row with over 100 yards. 
He was fantastic. The touchdown is incredible. He made a couple other great catches. This is just a weekly thing now where we talk about how great Adam Thielen is. Uh, And the offensive line, Judd. I mean, this was a game where you're facing really one great player, kind of like last week where it's Chandler Jones is a great player and everyone else is just kind of a guy. I feel the same way about the New York Jets defense. Leonard Williams is a great player and just didn't have a huge impact in the game. But the touchdown run for Latavius Murray is Pat Elfline looking a lot like Pat Elfline and what we saw last year, taking a guy, turning him away, and letting Latavius Murray break up the middle for a huge gain. I mean, that is what they get back in Pat Elfline. And now, even though you know Tom Compton goes out, we don't know how serious that is, I also thought Brian O'Neill played well again today, and there's a good case for him to be the starting right tackle when Riley Reeve comes back. Yep. This offensive line with Brett Jones in there was a disaster. Like, you cannot win with an offensive line that poor. But now with Elfline playing the way he is, Brian O'Neill maybe comes along as a more talented player than Rashad Hill. You feel like instead of the worst line in the league, you're more like the 20th best line in the league, which you can win with. You can't win with dead last in the NFL in offensive line. I think we saw that Arizona is a good example of how bad they were. You cannot win. It's so bad. I think the Vikings have now sort of cleared that threshold. And maybe if they start O'Neal, Compton is healthy. You're like mid pack at best. And that's a big upgrade from where they were to start the year. If Compton's out, what type of setback is that to potentially have Isadora having to start there, especially against the Saints um, at left guard, do you think? Well, he's a guy that has shown a little bit in the preseason, but he's also shown that he could be overpowered. It's kind of Nick Easton light, which is not great, but in a way that he's athletic and he can move. That's something Tom Compton really couldn't do, but Compton was a little more powerful. So Compton could turn a guy. He was a decent run blocker, but Isadora is going to be more mobile. So maybe you can run more screens or something like that. Part of it, Judd, is they're going to have to get Delvin Cook back at some point, right? And if it's this week, then maybe now you feel like you have a little more of a dangerous backfield with Delvin Cook and Murray for them both to be playing well with Murray being able to pound up the middle and and create big plays that way. Cook on the outsides cook could come in at wide receiver. They could play both on the field at the same time. If he's back there too, then you are giving cousins a much better supporting cast to compete with the great teams. When you have two good running backs, an offensive line, that's a little more competent and even Laquan Treadwell and Aldrick Robinson, Judd. Aldrick Robinson catches almost every ball thrown his way, Matthew right. Collar. They've, they've added something Cousins there with loves Aldrick the Robinson. Yeah. Cousins loves him. I don't think it's an overstatement to say that if this team continues to hold Cook out and gets him back at, at some point, Sunday perhaps, post-bye perhaps, but if they get Dalvin Cook at 100% back, it changes the entire dynamic of what this offense can potentially do. And I know people out there say, oh, come on, he hasn't played that much. But when we have seen Dalvin Cook healthy, if you put him in, and this does not mean that the run game the last two weeks has been a total disaster because it has not been and, and certainly was pretty good against the Cardinals. But I'm not just talking the run game. I'm talking, as you just said, the ability to line Cook up at receiver, for him to catch passes, for, for him to make digs and and feeling even more effective. I think this offense takes a step from being pretty doggone good, okay, without Cook, to being very dangerous and very, very hard, consequently, to defend if Dalvin Cook's playing. I agree, and if he could play wide receiver, he could come out of the backfield on some of those quick passes. 
where you gain yards for Kirk Cousins without asking him to really do anything. And that was where Pat Shermer was so brilliant last year in using Jarek McKinnon that got McKinnon a big payday was they found ways to allow Case Keenum to throw a one-yard pass in the backfield to Jarek McKinnon and then him run for 30 yards. I mean, it happened all the time. Not backwards. No more backwards passes. That's right. Forward was generally a key to that. Um, Let me switch over to the other side of the ball, Judd. The defense, we said it was great. It did everything you expected it to do against a rookie quarterback and just gave a really tough day for Sam Darnold. And maybe some Jets helped out a little bit with that, too, by dropping every pass thrown their way. But where credit where credit is due to the front office and the head coach of this team, Judd, because the front office picked up Tom Johnson for free. Yep. Like because the Seahawks are brain dead in their front office and have no clue what they're doing. It's my guy John Schneider. Come I have on. no Sam idea. Thomas guy. He was a good he's a good guy. No clue. Oh, it's just a bad move. No clue what yeah. they're doing. Yes. In cutting Tom Johnson to add a player that they didn't play and then expecting Johnson to sign back with them. What? So Tom Johnson is now really needed with Linval and Joseph dinged up. And also George Iloka. We didn't call his name a lot, but that might be a good thing for a safety. He's out there starting for Sendejo. You feel really good about that. A proven NFL veteran to step right in. Those two moves to add that depth were really, really important for this defense. And then also Mike Zimmer. Getting it back together. I mean, this defense looked like it was struggling, and Anthony Barr said that changes were made. Zimmer alluded to some changes, too, after that Rams game, and they have looked much more like themselves over the last couple of weeks uh, when it looked like this could be a serious issue for them, and now it's not, and you can believe in the defense going into this game against the Saints. What's changed then? What, what have they done? Because it seems the one thing from watching the games that seems to me is they are giving more different looks. And, and the one thing I liked post Rams game was it feels like the nickel package has been altered to give more guys chances, but that in turn then throws off opposing offenses a bit more. Now the good news is post Rams game and the Rams offensively are fantastic. You've gone Philadelphia, which is certainly not the same team that won the Super Bowl last season. You've gone, what, Cardinals, and you've gone Jets. But I'm with you. I do think that that the Vikings deserve credit, though, for adjusting again. And Zimmer, to me, does a fantastic job of, of being a guy who could be set in his ways, easily could be, and is not. So if, if things aren't working, he doesn't default to, this is my defense and always has been, mm-hmm. and it's staying the same. He mixes things up. And it does seem like the past three games that the Vikings have gone from from a system where you said this doesn't look like it's working on a consistent basis to being much more flexible. Now, some of the stuff, it might just be too subtle about like a certain route combination. So who carries the receiver and who hands him off to a player or who's playing zone or man in a particular play against a particular look? That's a little bit tough. But when you're like just even pick up watching tape because you don't know what the calls were before on the same looks and why they might be different. But you could say for sure the personnel changes, having a lot of different personnel in the game, J. Ron Curse in the game, Anthony Harris is in the game at times. Yep. So giving those different mix-ups and Ben Gideon is in there in certain run situations and he's done a nice job in those limited situations, that's one thing. Another thing is just the third down stuff. 
that on third down, they are throwing every single look that you could possibly come up with. Today, just a good example, Stephen Weatherly is off on coverage and does a great job on coverage. That's just a zone blitz. I mean, it looks weird to but have. How about a, that in coverage? It's a great play, but he did that in, in preseason once. But it, it's a zone blitz. Yep. He's using a lot of zone blitzes, and this is different from the past where I see Zimmer blitzing more than I think I've ever seen him blitz. And he might have looked at this and said, you know what? There are more injuries. Maybe we're not as strong as we were. Maybe some players aren't playing as well. But I know one way where you can always throw the quarterback off, and that's by sending blitzes after guys. And you know what's hard if you are running all those play-action things all the time is if you get blitzed. That makes it a lot more difficult. quarterbacks too, Matthew. Yep. God bless them. Yep. They'll, they bite every time. Exactly. But now the question is, Judd, if they are without Xavier Rhodes for any amount of time, one week, it's a disaster because Holton Hill, I know he got a pick, but they threw it right to him. Holton Hill is not a guy I see as being ready to play. Craig James is probably going to get have to get elevated from the practice squad. They just brought him back. He was decent in preseason, but another guy with no experience. Sure. I mean, you're looking at Mackenzie Alexander maybe has to play outside and Jaron Curse at the nickel against receivers. Against I, Drew Brees. This is yeah, this is a tough situation. Is disaster too strong? Calamity? I don't know. I mean, yes, it's going to be uh what what do you do? I think you probably play Jaron Curse at nickel, move Mackenzie Alexander outside, and then rotate Holton Hill in when you can. Terrence Newman, I wish you could come back. He can't. If I know he's he wondering, he can't. I know he can't, but it's really too bad. I don't care if he's old and broken down. You'd bring him back in a heartbeat right now, wouldn't oh, of you? Of course. Without any question, if you could. Yeah, no, and uh, with, with, with the way that Rhodes went down after locking feet with the Jets receiver, I think he's done for at least a week, don't you? It's really hard that does to say. Not, that does not look good. We've seen Xavier Rhodes go down a bunch of times and True. end up being all right. But when he was having to be helped off the field, that's something we didn't see very often from him when it was just cramps. Now, now I will say this. I will say this. If you lose to the Saints and come back to beat Detroit, you're still in very good shape. Yeah. And and don't underestimate the fact that the Vikings buy is a godsend as far as timing goes. Yes. That's a great buy. Because what, buy started in, is it week four, Matthew? Yeah. Okay. So I've seen those before. Week four, week five, buy. It's like oh, you want to keep playing and guys guys get healthy, but it's not it's not that far removed necessarily from training camp. The buy that the Vikings have is absolutely advantageous. Mm-hmm. It's a fantastic time. So if you lose to the Saints and you beat Detroit, you're, gonna, you're going to go into the buy in very good shape and get some time off. So as far as the schedule goes, the league did this team a favor, and as I said at the top of the podcast, if you take three of four in this segment right now, if you take the Cardinals game, which they did, the Jets game, which they did, and the Detroit game, and you lose to the Saints and then go by, you are in a really good shape. Yeah, and when you look position, I should say. also about the NFC North race, the, the Green Bay Packers do not look like a super strong overall team, even though Aaron Rodgers is still Aaron Rodgers. And Chicago, man, just two brutal losses for them where they were right there and they look really dangerous, but still they go down as losses to Miami and New England. And now if you're the Vikings, even if you get a loss here against New Orleans, then you are still in good shape. It's just to me, though, Judd, last year's game where we all looked at each other and said, you know what? This is the real deal. 
was when they played the Rams. The Rams are number one in scoring. Sean McVay, the, you know, Jared Goff's taking the next step. They've got all these weapons. They come in and score seven points at U.S. Bank Stadium. Yep. And, and we all knew this team could go to the Super Bowl yep. and almost did. I think that game is against New Orleans coming up this week. That, yep, they're going to be going through some things. They're going to be you're going through the pressure some injuries. on this team right now. You're putting huge pressure. I know, on them. but this is the game. Like if you're that team, then this is the game that you show up and you beat Drew Brees, right? If you're going to be in their category, if you don't, then it you're still who plays, though, not too, in that category. Right? Defensively, I don't think so. I, no, I think you don't have, no. I don't think have so. Bar and Rhodes and Joseph and Griffin, but that's how it's going to be in the playoffs. Probably is people will be hurt. Yeah, it's I don't not know. like last year where no I, one. This got league, hurt. okay, okay, I get your point completely. Because you're right. The Vikings, after after their second loss last year, played a few games where you said, that's impressive. And the Rams game is atop that list. No questions asked. But I will say the other thing about this league that, that intrigues me is I feel like through the month of October, there are teams that start to distance themselves, and you say that, that you're impressed by that. But I also I also feel, and we have certainly seen this in the past from the Patriots, like you get to November and then teams start to get on a roll there. And I can't decide if, if this Vikings team has the juice to be that type of team as well. So the Patriots game to me carries some importance, but I still think if you lose that game and get the Detroit game and position yourself well, and then get players back that after the bye, you're going to have a really good opportunity to, to separate yourself then as well. So, I see what you're saying, but I don't think I'm going to take the Saints game as an absolute de- a definition of where they're going to be be going in the last two months of the season for sure. I think it's one of those games where you could put yourself on the map as a legitimate Super Bowl contender, where at this moment there are two in the NFC. It yep. is the New Orleans Saints and the Los Angeles Rams who have been so explosive and that you know it's repeatable. You certainly know it's repeatable for Drew Brees to be the best quarterback in the NFL. You certainly know it's repeatable for the Los Angeles Rams to lead the league in scoring and be explosive with Sean McVay, Jared Goff, Todd Gurley. Yeah, you're right. What you don't know is what you really have here with the Vikings, where we've seen so many stretches of offensive incompetence, where we've seen great stretches from the offense, where we've seen great stretches from the defense, and we've seen really down times from the defense. And if they win this game, then I think it's a deciding factor for how you feel about them. Like, yeah, it might go up and down the rest of the way at times, but if you beat New Orleans, then then you know that you belong in that conversation because you can beat that team. But if they don't, it's not a death knell. No, I agree with that. But yes, if they they beat the Saints and and, uh, have five consecutive wins going into the bye, yes, I agree completely with what you're saying. I guess what I'm what I'm saying is I don't think a loss to the Saints then makes me dismiss them completely. Oh, I agree with that. The yeah. loss to Buffalo came very close to me being like, "What is this?" Mm-hmm. If you now if you now beat three teams that, that you should beat and don't beat the Saints, I would say I, I don't necessarily know what to make of this team right now, but I'm not done. And the loss to Buffalo, I I really felt like that that was a loss where I said. I, this team right now is very very unpredictable, but yes, I agree. If they beat the Saints and are going that well, then you then you would probably say that it's the Rams, the Saints, 
and Vikings. How I'm looking at this team right now is like a baseball team that hits a lot of home runs, and it also strikes out a lot. And if you click and hit a lot of home runs, then you've got a chance to beat anybody. But what I think they would be able to start to prove against New Orleans is that they can do it week after week, have one side of the ball click and hit home runs, and win the game that way. That either the offense or the defense is going to be able to carry them, and you know if one side doesn't show up that the other side can pick them up. Because last year we knew if the defense ever struggled that that was it. And that's exactly what happened. The defense struggled against Philly, and that was it. Game over. Keenum Season made over. A terrible play. That's exactly right. Yep. That yep. they were never going to be able to overcome things. With this team, it certainly looks a lot more possible than that. So if they lose to New Orleans, no, it's not over. But still, you will be decidedly, especially with losses head to head, decidedly behind the best teams. And more in that group of Chicago, Carolina, Philadelphia still to me is a sneaky team because we've seen what they can be. What are they last now? Three year. and four though? Yeah, but I mean Carolina the NFC East yeah. is still a mess. Yeah. But it would be in that list. I mean, I would even put Washington there. Washington has some good wins, but also some bad losses. I mean, I think if they don't win this next week, then they are in a cluster of teams as opposed to being head and shoulders above them with that win. And that's just I mean, that's just how it is when you play 16 games is that yep. a lot of these games are going to mean a lot yep. uh, for how we view this team. So, Judd. 4-2-1, um, and one, baby. Leads the NFC North. 6-43 win percentage, which puts you ahead of the 3-2-1 and one on the bye. 5-83 win percentage, Green Bay Packers. Yeah, and I think you're right that uh, now we could put the Buffalo loss to bed as yep. a fluke. As a random thing, maybe a distraction even with what but you was going recovered on. really well. Right. That they and bounce back from. And this is a change from 2016 where when Mike Zimmer's team hit bumps in the road, he made it worse. Right. He didn't melt down this time. He did not melt down this time. He didn't melt down last year. And it's clear, like you said, that this is a head coach who learns from what's going on and learns from his mistakes and can see the whole picture and make changes when he needs to. That is the, I think the best thing you can have as a head coach yes. is someone who can be dynamic as opposed to so many coaches. He's not stubborn. Right. Right. Who gets stuck in their ways and then are out before we're done. Can we do one, one more thing? I know what you want to do. Can here. we please do this? We sure. both had to watch today's game. We did. And, and the viewing experience was us. And I'm sure, Almost everyone who's going to tune into this podcast. Can we please talk about the Fox broadcast? We can, but I, I don't understand what I just watched. Uh, it was it was. And rough. I think I think my view of today's game and listen, football wise, football. It was not a a very pretty game. I totally get that, but I think my view of today's game was colored by the broadcast itself. It was that bad. It you know. I understand that, like, banter and stuff like that is just always going to be annoying. I mean, like, no matter who it is, like, they're joking around or whatever else. Even Chris Spielman telling stories, and then they show a Chris Spielman highlight. And, like, there are all these sort of cliches. Totally get that. Yeah, exactly. Completely with you. Totally. Not ripping that at all. What I was baffled by is the enormous amount of inaccuracies. I mean, just just this heap of things that were false like well, tell the Latavius Murray one. That's well, the perfect. Latavius Murray one is the most confounding because... It was called a homecoming of sorts for Latavius Murray to play against the Jets. A man who grew up in Onondaga, which is near Syracuse, 240 miles away from New Jersey. And it's just, like, just 
East Rutherford is nowhere near even in the vicinity of Syracuse, New York. So it just like things like that. Someone tweeted in that there was a, a mistake where he said Eric Hendricks played on the same college team as Sam Darnold, which is not even close to true. I mean, like things like that. Marcus Sherrill's at one point, Tom Brenneman says, oh, he must be hurt because he's not returning the kick. Dude, he hasn't been returning kicks all year. Didn't you call him shine at one point, too? Uh, Shields, I think. Shields, yeah, a, Shields is right. Mistakes happen like that. Right. I get that. But when you say, oh, why isn't he returning the kick? Right. When the dude hasn't returned kicks all year, it's just like, wow, wow, was that off in left when, field today. When Brenneman continually brought up the fact that, that there were clearly people he felt out there saying that the wind was not impacting the game, when everybody watching that game could say, the wind's impacting today's game. Is that like a figure of speech when he said, like, if you don't think the wind's impacting you know, one time, game. one time, I think you're right. Yeah, he said it multiple and, times. And one time, I'm cool with it. Okay, yeah, I see what you're saying if there are naysayers about the wind. But by the 15th time, when they showed poor Dan Bailey attempting kicks before the game and at halftime, and the ball is going right towards the goalpost, it's going to split the uprights, and then it does a hard left, and then it does a hard right, and then it just falls from the sky. Nobody is debating the fact that the wind impacted today's game in MetLife Stadium. I want to respect people who have done a lot in broadcasting, oh, like hard. Tom Brenneman. Yes. It's very difficult. I've done games before, but this one, you are right about like the viewing experience was impacted by the fact that you just there were so many things that were wrong it was almost hard to keep up with what was going on. It was distracting. Yes, yes. It was to the point and where it was distracting. Hard. The job is hard. So I am not for one second sitting here being like, well, we could have done a better job. I don't think that. But, yeah, when my viewing experience of a game is directly impacted by the fact that I'm thinking to myself, do these guys even want to be doing this game? And I get it. Maybe they didn't want to be. It wasn't a good game. But anyway. I couldn't help it because I got to think that people are going to be talking tomorrow about the fact that they actually had to watch that entire game. I, if you're talking about water cooler conversations, that's probably like number two. Like number one is, hey, we won. And number two is, can you put what was going on with that broadcast? Like, were those guys okay? Top five things. Vikings win. Broadcast. I'd say Cousins still. Yep, definitely. Cousins play. Vikings defense. Jets suckage. I think a caller on Ventline put it perfectly when he said Cousins makes you nervous. I think that that is the the thing that people will be talking about throughout this week is that it's not just one game. It's been like almost every game where he does something that would, as a fan, make you nervous. And Washington fans said the same thing, right? Yeah. The same yeah. exact thing. Because he can make some. Listen, the thing about it is he's got the talent to make some really good plays. But then there's plays where you say to yourself, Really? Like, you are throwing the ball backwards. And he saw, so Cousins throws the ball backwards, and he knows exactly what happened, and he doesn't hear a uh, whistle. And so you see on the replay, he thinks for about two seconds, I should chase that ball. And then he thinks, but if I fall on the ball, one, I could get hurt, and two, perhaps they'll just blow the whistle, which they didn't do, and Diggs saw that. But it's that type of play you think to yourself, really, did you just throw that ball backwards? And, and it wasn't close. I think that's the biggest conversation with Vikings fans. I don't think any, I, think I, I think they're showing up at work and they're saying, hey, did you see some of those things that he did? And that makes me nervous going forward. So we will see. Uh, All right. This fun. is big week, Judd. Go Fox. Big week. Go Fox. Go CBS. <laughs> Go NBC. Football. All right, Judd. Bye. Yeah.
Talk to y'all later on the Purple Podcast. Lots to come this week with Sage Rosenfels, Purple Live. If you all have not listened, it is on from 5 to 7. We do football hour and then Purple Live with myself and Courtney Cronin every Tuesday night. Plus, Manny and I are going to be at Lucky's 13 in Roseville on Thursday night at about 5 o'clock, 5.30. So if you want to come out, say hello, talk some football, please do. And we will catch you later on the Purple Podcast. This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the Buy 5 or More Save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.